If you're good at something, never do it for free. Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still Hey everyone, agree? welcome back to Kevin and the Wu-Tang Clan. And yes, this is our first English Premier League soccer podcast of the season um unfortunately i was a little busy last week so we couldn't record a preview podcast and the first week of games have already happened so we're already on match week two but today i have my good friend sam chang back on the podcast um as we talk about the english premier league so sam welcome on to the pod what's up wu-tang clan <laughs> yeah, but it, Sam. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a, a name for your your following? Uh, I don't. That's. I think that's it. The Wu Tang Clan and like all the rotating cast of characters that come on. So that's how I refer to them. So okay, yeah, that's how. Yeah, so that's that's the uh, that's my that's my audience slash listeners. Um, yeah, Sam. What were your thoughts on? match week one um of the premier league well as a tottenham fan i wasn't too happy but uh it was just good to see football being played yeah honestly it was like a really exciting week just to see the premier league back obviously there was a short layoff between the end of last season so we've already seen this iteration of uh, no fans in the stands, all the FIFA noises being played in the background with the crowd crowd noise going going crazy for goals and uh, asking for PKs when there's like a handball. And it's actually been fairly good in that way. But the place where I really wanted to start and talk to you, and you mentioned you being a Tottenham fan, let's get into Tottenham because it seems like out of all the teams that ended up playing this week and Manchester United, Man City, Aston Villa and um, Burnley, I believe all had blank game weeks or did not play this week. So they're still yet to play, but out of all the teams that did end up playing this past week, it seemed like there's a lot of pessimism with Tottenham and how they ended up playing in a 1-0 loss to Everton. So, Sam, while watching that game, what were your kind of reactions and thoughts in terms of uh, the second year of Mourinho? So, it, it seems like this game, they were playing with a higher press, and it just seems like they weren't really playing as a team together. So, you would see effort from certain players, but you need a whole team to be pressing in order for that to work. So I think defensively, we left a lot uh, a lot of space for Richarlison to really attack our defense. And they had a ton of opportunities. And Everton honestly looked a lot better than uh, the Spurs did. Yeah, and honestly, with the way the scoreline was, it was 1-0. It seems like if you didn't watch the match – that, oh man, it, they just kind of lost a really tight match. But it, I don't know if the scoreline told the whole story of the match itself. I don't know if that's how you feel about that. Yeah, so I I think if 
Richarlison was a little more clinical, he could have easily bagged at least two. And uh, James looked really good as their uh, creative piece. And we, we, of course, had our chances, but we didn't really capitalize. And just as a team, we didn't look too motivated and or, or inspired. And what would you kind of make out with Tottenham and especially with a lot of the press that they've been getting? And I'm not sure if you've watched the Amazon all or nothing um, uh, series on Tottenham. And as they're releasing episodes from last season, um, it's kind of Amazon's version of um, hard knocks of the NFL um, kind of seeing how Tottenham developed over last year and a lot of the turmoil of moving from Pochettino to Marino in the middle of the season and all the differences um, that Marino brought to the table from Man United. What would you say has been like, I, and I'm not sure if you've watched the series or not. And I, yeah, watched, I, 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 I actually all benched the, I binged it yesterday. I'm up to episode eight right now. Yeah, yeah. So with all that being said, it's it was like with all that inside access, I actually, you know, I think as people get more and more exposed to a team, they, they're, they're colored in the way, their opinions are colored in a way that maybe the producers want them to see the team. And did you feel like that had an effect or an opinion on how maybe you thought of this team moving forward? Well, if, if I just think of this series in general, is I have to get the okay of Levy and Mourinho. So I think some aspects are going to paint in a better light. But I think I, I came out of it feeling a lot more positive about the team. I think. Uh, Post restart, there was a lot to look forward to, and uh, Mourinho he didn't really leave United with the best uh, track record, so he's kind of painted as a villain in the Premier League. But I don't know he he seems like a pretty likable guy, and uh, Levy as well. But who knows what the true side of uh, those characters are? Yeah, and I I just think like that's the whole that's the hard part in terms of how to parse all of that out in terms of are these guys actually guys that are somewhat likable and when when Mourinho kind of goes into to coach mode and starts talking and kind of uh I don't know giving his coach talks and being like guys you need to be like fucking bastards out there you can't be you can't be nice guys on the pitch and it's just really interesting to kind of see th- that inside access um and then how that's played out this season and I think with the one player that I'm thinking of especially with a lot of the transfer rumors that are going on and with the the transfer window open till October 5th there's a lot of a lot of questions around surrounding Deli Ali and whether or not he ends up staying um, with this team. There's rumors currently right now that he was offered um, basically as a trade for Gareth Bale um, on a season-long loan. And even 
in the series itself, I mean, Marino kind of jokingly was referring to, to Delhi as like a lazy practice player. Um, and I think, <laughs> I, a lot, I believe like, that. right. And I think a lot of like the UK media kind of picked up on that, like the guardian and stuff like that. were just kind of like putting Mourinho's lazy quote in, um, in, in terms of referring to Delhi Ali. And I, it made me uh, like it made me kind of question as to whether or not Mourinho was really trying to get the best out of Ali throughout that um because it seems like throughout the series there's kind of this weird maybe like fatherly figure that he's trying to play to Ali in terms of like trying to get the most out of him and I'm not sure Mm -hmm. it's actually working what what's your take on that yeah I think that tactic can be sort of hit or miss uh there are some players that are very motivated motivated by that if you kind of critique where they're falling short I feel like Delhi it it doesn't really work for him I think he's very sensitive to that he did pick up in form when he started under Mourinho, but if you look towards the end of that year and if you look at the game that he had against Everton, he just isn't the same player that he was two, three years ago. And uh, I, I feel like most of that is confidence. And if you have your manager going out to the media and saying these stuff, it's not going to really re- reflect well on you. And I don't think it's really going to make his play that much better. Yeah, and I think what's interesting actually was the, like, I think initially when Marino came in, Deli Ali heavily featured in his squad pretty much, I I believe Deli was one of, like, the first names on the team sheet. Um, I think there was, like, some stat he started, like, 17 out of 18 games. Uh, out of the first 18 games, Marino managed uh, with Tottenham. And, and then he sort of fell off from there. And then that the culmination of that was game week one against Everton when, you know, this usually doesn't happen, but Ali gets pulled out of the, out of the lineup at halftime and gets benched. Uh, that usually never happens unless it's like a tactical thing. And, and Mourinho clarified that post in his post like conference, I guess, in his post-press conference um, where he pretty much said, yeah, it was tactical and it backfired on us. And I think there, that's where a lot of the rumors and the questions are going to come up and see. And, and I'm curious to see whether or not he ends up ultimately getting transferred out by Levy and whether or not Mourinho has pretty much made the, made the decision we can do without uh, Ali. Yeah, so what I make out of all that is I think he just made the wrong tactical decision. And uh, you you saw in the presser that he kind of regretted that. And if you looked at the, the offense in the second half, they, they didn't look nearly as good. Of course, that's not saying we we looked any, any – we played any well the first half. But I think it was the wrong move on Mourinho's part. And if you're looking at Delhi's confidence – that's really not going to help him. But uh, I think with all the news going on, who who knows if he uh, plays in uh, our next game. But I have him in my FPL lineup still, so hopefully he plays. Yeah, I, I do as well. We can get to that later. 
one other thing that I did kind of want to talk about long term with you in terms of Tottenham's outlook is especially with the way Mourinho kind of flamed out uh, with United and uh, speaking with two regulars on the podcast, Hedjun and Tyler, who are huge United fans, they weren't the biggest fans, especially Tyler. He wasn't the biggest fan of Mourinho, his tactics and the way he played very pragmatic and um, conservative football in comparison to the way Ole's kind of opened it up and freed up United's offense. Uh, post Mourinho how do you feel about Mourinho and the way Tottenham have performed tactically and do you feel like this is something that ultimately is going to work out or or is he or or are we looking at something similar um, with a lot of the criticism that he received at United in terms of man I don't think Mourinho has it anymore yeah, I think part of his experience at United, I think where they fell short was their management providing him with the right player. So I think Woodward has a, a bad rep with uh, the fan base. And uh, I don't know if he actually got the right pieces that he wanted, uh, that he had in mind. Uh, I think this transfer session, uh, they were able to get uh, – who's at Hoiberg and uh, as well as uh, Regulon as, and Doherty as well. So Doherty, I think, is a improvement on uh, Aurier. So he needs a, a an attacking right back in his system. And uh, Hoiberg will be good for uh, that pivot piece. So I I think the pieces are slowly to slowly starting to come in place. And who knows how, how we'll do this season, but I think I have a more positive outlook with the transfers that we made. And Sam, you totally forgot to bring up England's best goalkeeper, Joe Hart, obviously that has a backup <laughs> goalkeeper um, coming on in. So it, and it does seem very interesting to me whether or not it seems like Levy is being a little bit more proactive in terms of getting some guys and pieces that um, Mourinho has wanted and suggested, especially if you even look at last year in the middle of the January transfer window that when they got Bergwine, like that other piece that he wanted and that they provided for and that they were able to get. So I, I think those, I think it's slowly coming together and it, obviously it's still really early to judge and it's hard to be able to judge a manager um, based off of basically half of a season but at the same time and I know like a lot of the times we pre- like a lot of the times what we preach is slow down let the manager have at least some time to be able to make some changes that they can make uh, before you evaluate them. But that's just not the nature of European football in, in terms of being able to give these managers any sorts of chances at all. So I, I think it'll be really interesting to monitor, like let's say if Tottenham really gets off to a super slow start after let's say 10 matches or so, what the, 
impression will be on the Tottenham fan base, just because I think it's already starting with that opening day loss, even though I think from my point of view, it's a pretty big overreaction from the Tottenham fan standpoint, but we've already seen what's happened with Mourinho and Man United in his last um, managerial stop. Yeah, I mean, if, if you look at where he started, he came in halfway through the year. So I, I'm expecting him to at least stick around for the full year, uh, no matter how it goes. And uh, he has a transfer window under his belt. He's getting the players that he wants. And, yeah, I think uh, Spurs fans are overreacting. They just need to give it some time. Mm. So I think I think that'll be really tough to hear from uh, from a, a fellow Spurs fan, but it'll be interesting to see overall. And obviously, like as a as a fellow Korean, we kind of want the success of Son Heung-min to to still yeah, reign supreme and still continue to produce on a on a high level. So hopefully, that'll be the case for him there. So Sam, I did kind of want to move on to to a couple other topics and a couple of, of other teams that we could potentially talk about. Now, the one team that I did want to talk about, being a Liverpool fan, watching that first game against Leeds, Leeds United and Leeds coming back up into... What a game. Yeah, into the Premier League after um, it had been, I believe it had been like 15-ish years or so since they had been back in, in the Premier League. Maybe it had been longer. Um, but one of the things that... I watched from that game as I was just like sitting there in horror, kind of just like <laughs> white, like gripping the side of my chair, watching the game. Um, every time Liverpool went up, Leeds just kind of had the answer. And I was like completely surprised by the game. Jack Harrison, former NYCFC MLS player, play, played at Wake Forest, went grew up in England, but then came over to America for high school, took a little bit of a different path to, to European and English uh, soccer. Um, and he ended up scoring th- that first amazing goal where he kind of roasted Trent Alexander-Arnold um, yep. off of like um, where he had a nice touch and brought it around and shot it with his right foot. I was just surprised at how good Leeds United looked going forward against uh, a Liverpool team that had been one of the strongest defensive teams probably in the past two years with Virgil van Dijk, and they looked fairly pedestrian this past weekend. What, what were your thoughts just kind of watching through that game? Yeah, as a newly promoted side, I don't think they were just going to sit back and watch watch themselves get scored on and uh you you saw two counter-attacking teams and it was sort of a fire versus fire match i would call it so the back and forth of goals is a very fun game to watch but i'm sure on your end it was pretty stressful yeah and it all had it all happened in the first half and then it it tightened up in the second um where muhammad salah ended up getting uh that that goal in the 88th minute and that really um 
that ended up sealing the deal for them, that penalty um, in the 88th minute where Salah got, gets two penalties throughout the game. Um, but it definitely was concerning watching that as a Liverpool fan. And you're just like, man, defensively, they sort of look like passive and just kind of like, it, it didn't feel, I, I don't know if they had the energy of like, hey, this is the first game of the season. Like this actually counts. It sort of felt like they're halfway in between preseason and just kind of like going through the motions a tiny bit and they were fortunate to pull it out um and you I think a little bit of that was a lot of the a lot of the rest that Klopp was trying to give his players after this extended season it seems like Alexander Arnold looked a little bit rusty it didn't um, it didn't seem like Van Dyke really had it. He scored a goal, but he ended up giving a key goal up. That very rare never, mistake for him. Very, very rare mistake from him where Patrick Bamford ends up scoring. And I think that was the surprise of the game. And I'm curious. And obviously, all the reactions we have from week one are bound to be overreactions. Uh, never just like we can never just take it for face value, but we're obviously going to overreact to everything that we see. But I, I, I just thought, man, Liverpool really looks like they're struggling and I hope it doesn't last uh, for, for the upcoming weeks because they have a couple tough fixtures coming up. Uh, they have Chelsea coming up in week two and it's, it, it gets extremely difficult uh, where they have, Chelsea than Arsenal, who, um, who who looked really good um, in week one as well. So I don't know how you feel about them moving forward um, in terms of their chances at uh, defending their title. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the underlying stats of the game, if the Leeds, Leeds was, uh, their expected goals was 0.27. So it was those very rare mistakes that you you don't really see it from this Liverpool defense that allows Leeds to be in it. And when they got those chances, they were very clinical. So although the scoreline is 4-3, it, it should have been in Liverpool's favor far heavily. Uh, I, I still see them as a top team in the Premier League, and uh, I think they have a good shot at repeating. Right. And then kind of moving forward from there, looking at Arsenal – Arsenal's result against Fulham, they end up beating the newly promoted Fulham in the first game of the season, three zip. They, um, Leicester ends up beating West Brom, um, albeit 3-0 from a newly, another newly promoted team. And then Chelsea on Monday beats Brighton Hove, albeit 3-1 um, in that game. Out of those three teams, were, were there any teams that really just like were surprisingly impressive from out of those three teams? You know what? Uh, I hate to say this as a Tottenham fan, but Arsenal—they—they they look like more of a complete team than they have like the past couple of years. They—they they actually had a defense. They were able to, to keep a clean sheet, and I think having William on that team, just having that creative piece that also used to be, just having that and uh, having Aubameyang as well, it, they look like a good team. They should be very competitive this year. Yeah, and I think that was the 
the big surprise to me because we've come to kind of expect out of Leicester to perform. They've had, they have a couple long-term injuries that they're dealing with out of the back. Chilwell got transferred out over to Chelsea. Chelsea, I think has become a lot of people's very like hot pick slash maybe underdog pick to maybe challenge for the title, especially with a lot of the new pieces that they have. I wonder if it comes together for a lot of a lot a lot for a lot of those players um, chemistry wise where they can challenge. But I think a lot of people were down on Arsenal, especially before Arteta came in in the middle of the season, and, and then Arteta's pretty much changed the trajectory of where this team was heading under Emery, and now it's been about a half a season now and they ended up winning the FA Cup um, and they have some positive results um, heading in and and they won the Community Shield against against Liverpool to start the season basically a glorified preseason match and I think that's where a lot of confidence can be built for this team where hey, we can compete with a lot of the top teams that um, have been reigning over the Premier League over the past couple of seasons. And I think that's where uh, this confidence is going to be coming from. And they just look better, especially with their system. Like, they play three at the back. Um, and then in terms of getting uh, going forward, those front three of Lacazette, William, and Aubameyang looked extremely good and potent offensively. Yeah, they're going to be a threat all year and uh, with a solid defense behind them, which used to be their Achilles heel, I think they should be flirting with the top four finish. Uh, I, I think they might finish right outside the top four, but they they should be competitive. Yeah, and I think obviously maybe we need to temper expectations because I think Fulham is newly promoted yeah. <laughs> and obviously we I mean they it was a it was a nice win but at the same time it I'm once they start playing the top six teams the two the the game that I'm circling is that game against Liverpool in two weeks that's going to be one of the games that we'll see whether or not they can reach the benchmark of what happened so um that'll be really fun to be able to see um, Sam, one of the things that I did want to talk about in terms of kind of moving into this new season um, and seeing and evaluating games, there has been, you know, there's been this transfer window that's been extended to October 5th. And a lot, there's a lot of rumors going around, especially with now we basically have two and a half, three weeks left uh, before the transfer window closes. And there's a lot of rumors flying around. There's people that have already been brought in by a lot of teams. Is there one like impact um, signing that you have kind of are excited about to watch in the Premier League or, or are keeping your eye out for? Well, I, I think I got my hopes up for uh, Werner at Chelsea. And uh, I had him on my FPL team. Uh, he, he got a goal. He was threatening at times, but uh, we'll see uh, his impact in the in the league this year. Uh, I think 
he's a, a dark horse to watch out for uh, for a top scorer for the league, and uh, we'll see if he could get there. Yeah, I think he's a, a really interesting one. I think I just saw on Twitter that uh, Tiago is coming over from Bayern Munich to Liverpool on a transfer, which for Liverpool is pretty amazing to get one of the better or one of the best midfielders, center midfielders in the world, uh, just kind of added to the squad uh, from a Premier League team, which is, I think, something that Liverpool's been missing in terms of, I think they were hoping Nabi Keita could, could do that and fill that role where he's been, he's shown glimpses of it, but he's been inconsistent. And I think someone like Thiago can be um, a lot more consistent in the role that Klopp envisioned um, for Nabi Keita or someone like that. And, and Jeannie Wijnaldum, who has been really solid and really good, um, but there's a lot of rumors whether or not he gets transferred out to Barcelona. So I, that's yeah, like one, that. yeah, there, that's one transfer that, I'm definitely looking out for. Um, and then another one that I think might be, I, I wouldn't say flying under the radar per se, but we mentioned his name uh, when we we're talking about Tottenham, but the James Rodriguez um, transfer to me is really interesting just because he's back under Carlo Ancelotti and on, he's had his best years under Ancelotti when, he played at Real Madrid and played at Bayern. And that's got to be super positive for him that he has a manager that believes in him. He, he's going to get his chances and not going to be jerked, jerked around here and there in terms of his playing time and his minutes that he really struggled to get over the past couple seasons without Ancelotti. So that's another guy that I'm definitely looking out for. And then the whole host of Chelsea. Like, it seems like financial fair play rules don't don't <laughs> really apply to Chelsea for whatever reason this year because of the amount of spending. It was around, what, 200 million pounds that they spent? Yeah, they've spent a lot of money. Like, they, they brought in uh, Timo Werner. We, they've also brought in Kai Havertz. They brought in Thiago Salvana free. Uh, they brought in uh, Hakeem Zayic. They've um, Chilwell. Chil- they brought in Ben Chilwell for 50, like a like a easy fifty mil. Like it's nothing. So <laughs> it's it's really surprising to me because I didn't even think this Chelsea team was that bad last year to the point where they really need to make needed to make a lot of these have an influx of transfers but the fact that they were able to do that and talent wise I mean I think you could kind of definitively say they are better than last year with the amount of talent that they've brought in Um, especially when you have Tammy Abraham sitting on the bench who ended up being fairly productive in the first half of the season for them where he was putting in a bunch of goals Mason Mount seems like he's gonna play somewhat but is is like a squad player basically and he I thought was fairly good for them last year um that see that to me was a little surprising in the way they just started buying all these players especially offensively yeah I I think it was a 
kind of a, a result of their transfer ban. So they kind of wanted to treat themselves after not really buying any players. So they kind of went a little too far, I would say, but they, they look like a really good team this year. Mm-hmm. So before we kind of move on to fantasy Premier League stuff, Sam, there are two teams that we didn't get to talk about because we didn't get to see them play last week. And two of the traditional top six teams, uh, Man United and Man City, um, because they had deep runs in Europe, they were given extended time off um, from the end of last season into this season. And that was the reason why they didn't play in week one. What are your impressions about United and City? Um, I don't know wh- whatever team you wanted to start with, you can start with, but what are your impressions going into this year? Um, I think from what I've had conversations-wise with United fans have been really positive. Um, and if they could get one or two really special signings, i.e. Jaden Sancho into the building, I think they would feel even better about their chances of contending for a Premier League title. So what are your thoughts on those two teams? Uh, So I guess we'll start with United. Uh, They finished very well last year, and that acquisition of Bruno just proved to be the perfect fit for them. And uh, I think they should be a very attacking side this year. What worries me about them is their defense. You saw the the play of De Gea decline. They don't really have the best center backs. And uh, who who knows if Henderson is starting by mid-year. Yeah, and I think that's like the – that was a lot of the question mark. De Gea had seemed to fallen off a tiny bit. And I think some people were a little bit like, is Dean Henderson coming in? who had a really spectacular season for Sheffield in in being able to keep them up and having them uh, be one of the surprises of last year. And he comes back to his parent club and he gets and signs a new contract in order to, uh, in order for United to keep him, but he's just sitting on the bench at this point. And I wonder if the leash there for De Gea gets shorter and shorter because of uh, who they have in Henderson. Yeah, you, you saw him make simple mistakes last year, and you you can't do that if you're fighting for points in the top four. Yeah, and I think, I think that's where, if everything comes together, the one, if they were to bring someone in, they probably need to bring another center back in, maybe next to Harry Maguire, who wasn't with, out of the news this summer either uh hashtag <laughs> Greece and all that stuff but it's i mean i i feel like they need one more center back to really strengthen up that partnership in the back um there's a lot of um possible uh news about the um the signing of um i can't pronounce his name but he's from Red Bull Leipzig uh, Dio Upamecano. I think that's... Oh, okay. I, <laughs> yes. The guy... Yes, I didn't want to butcher his last name. But I, <laughs> I, 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 I understand. His last name. 
but yes, uh, he he's probably one of the guys that's on the radar for United. Obviously, I mentioned Jaden Sancho, and it seems like that's not really going to be coming to fruition, which I don't necessarily think is a terrible thing for United, especially with I, I like Greenwood's Greenwood. development. Yeah, Greenwood's development as an 18-year-old, 19-year-old who's super young and had a lot of production last year when given the opportunity um, should be reassuring for United fans. And I think if everything goes according to plan, they have like a shot at challenging for the title. For me, as we transition over to City, I think Manchester City is probably the favorite this year going uh, as the, as the, as the favorite for winning the English Premier League. And, I would and I think, agree. I think my reasoning behind that, especially with Liverpool kind of, you know, showing signs of it this past year, this past year um, or this past week in terms of their struggles in week one, I just think it's possible that, like, City is just a little bit more consistent and uh, they, they're they able to pull it out this year uh, and win the league title. I, I don't, and, and I heard that you agreed, but can you give some uh, analysis as to why maybe you see it that way instead of maybe it going Liverpool's way? Yeah, I mean, this is a team that's won the past two out of three Premier League. So, uh, they're always going to be a threat, but uh, I think if they get Koulibaly, I think it's a lock for them to win uh, the Premier League again. Uh, they already have a solid team. They got uh, Nathan Aki this summer. They got Torres as well. And uh, they have the right pieces. Uh, of course, Pep is their coach. And uh, yeah, I think it's either them or Liverpool. And I think this year I would I would go for City. Yeah, I just think they would, are a little bit more hungry and motivated coming off of a second place, maybe not being able to advance as far in the Champions League. And those are, I mean, obviously Champions League glory is for them probably one of the most important things just because they've never done it ever in their in their history. And that's what Pep is trying to do. But they have all their pieces returning, mostly all their pieces. Obviously, club legend Dave, David Silva is not coming back um, and is um, for like the first time in, I believe, 10 or 11 years, not at City. So that's maybe like a big loss maybe in their locker room. But on the field, it's I don't know if it'll, they'll really see the impact of that. One interesting note that that'll be fascinating, um, I, I don't think is being talked a lot, and maybe because we're from the U.S. and are Americans, we have a little bit of a slight bent in seeing everything through the prism of an American watcher. But, you know, let's say if Ederson gets hurt in, in gold, it seems like Zach Steffen is in line as, uh, as is second in line to, to get some looks behind behind Ederson which will be fascinating for U.S. men's national team um, fans to be looking out for so I don't want to uh, hope any bad injuries or anything 
upon anyone, obviously, but that's Not just something to look. Yeah, that's just something to look out for if it ever gets to that point. Um, didn't bring up Kevin De Bruyne, who's probably probably the best player in the Premier League. Um, it's like I think he's up just, there for the world too. He's yeah, like one of my favorite players to watch. It's just amazing him like collecting the ball and just pinging out a ball or like passing the ball, like switching the play point of attack. And it's incredible to watch him play. And it's not just that he sits deep and is just this type of playmaker, but he gets gets in on the act and can score some really highlight goals. So he's always someone really fun uh, to watch. But I do agree with you. If Koulibaly gets signed there, I think it really just shores up everything for them defensively um, because they've had their struggles defensively, um, especially at center back, just a lot of injuries and rotation. They were, they were in some dire straits with, I mean, Fernandinho seems like a, a permanent center back now, but he was there. He was pretty much they didn't starting have a back for them. Pretty much. Right. Yeah, especially with uh, Laporte getting Com- hurt. Yeah, Vincent Company uh, leaving in the previous season. I think they mismanaged that center back position a little bit, especially when they were hurt with injuries. So I think that's something to watch out for. But I think they've definitely shored that up um, a little bit this off season. So Sam, as we kind of wrap, um, kind of talking about all these teams. Why don't we get into our top four picks for this season? Obviously, it's not a true prediction prediction because we've seen uh, the first week of the season. So maybe we can go off of that a little bit. But maybe it's actually to our detriment because we overreact to the first season or to the first week and we start freaking out and, and start making some wild assertions. So, Sam, give us your top four. And and then maybe to make it fun, who maybe would be your bottom three teams to get relegated? All right, uh, top four. So no bias coming from me. Uh, I I think Tottenham's going to finish out of the top four. I would say City is the ch- the champions, followed by let's see, Liverpool, United, and then Chelsea. Okay. My my bottom three. Uh, did Did you want to go over your top four, or should I go into my bottom three? Go into your bottom three, and then I'll I'll kind of take it over from there. Okay. Bottom three. I think Fulham is I think a definite bottom three. Um. Uh, West Brom. And then I think uh. Maybe Villa. And Villa. Okay. That'll be interesting to see. Now, I, I think Leeds, Leeds will stay up too, but it'll be – I'm trying to think about who the bottom three are. For me, top four, it's kind of boring, but I do have City, Liverpool, then I have United, Chelsea. Um, I think it's going to take some time for Chelsea actually to maybe – build some of the chemistry up a tiny bit um i actually think arsenal has a shot at that top four uh 
position, and I wouldn't be surprised there, especially with the way Arteta is getting them to play. Um, I'm a little bit worried about where Tottenham is going. Uh, they shouldn't be finishing out of the top six, um, but you know, with Wolves, with Everton, especially with that first game week, kind of looking somewhat threatening this past week. Um, I think those are challengers for that last European spot in the league. Um, That's my opinion. Um, In terms of the bottom three, the bottom three that I have going down, I got Fulham, I got Aston Villa, and then I have, I'm trying to think, I, I actually wish it wasn't Fulham, but Fulham, Aston Villa, and I was going to say Brighton, actually. But I could be way off on that, and West Brom didn't look that great this past week. But those are the three that I have going down. So, Sam, yeah, uh, yeah go ahead. I, I think I, I was about to throw Newcastle in there, in there but I think with Callum Wilson and Frazier being there, I they, they might look better uh, – offensively but Newcastle they haven't been the best team uh in the Premier League yeah that would be fascinating if Newcastle ended up going down as well uh Sam one of the things you didn't mention where Tottenham would end up finishing do you think they finish sixth or is or are they going to finish out of the top six do you even see that uh, as a possibility for them yeah, so I th- I think I would say Arsenal comes in fifth and Tottenham would come in sixth. So all right, sounds yeah, good. it's so not we, ideal we, for me, but yeah, I'm being honest about it and practical. And then if they if they do get into the top four, hey, they exceeded your expectations and you can be presently surprised. You know, set yep. the bar low, set the bar <laughs> low, and be pleasantly surprised later. That's always. That's basically what I'm hoping for in Liverpool when I'm placing them second So, um, as a Liverpool fan. But, Sam, as we kind of transition on and move on to a different topic, which is near and dear to our hearts because we've been playing this game. Sam, now, how, how long has it been? This is your third season, I believe, um, playing fantasy. This will, let's see. I think this will be my third year. Yeah. Yeah, third Yep, third season. And Actually, I no, no, this, this is uh, going on my fourth year now. Oh, going number four. Okay, season yeah. number four. And I, I've i pretty much been playing this since tw- 2010, no, 2013 or so, and it was inconsistent in the beginning. What are your thoughts on Fantasy Premier League, especially this week? I mean, you're talking to – I mean, if the listeners are listening, you're talking to – the league leader in our mini league after one week, uh, Sam Chang. So definitely <laughs> want to um, get some knowledge from Sam in terms of who to pick up. And granted, I've had my struggles in fantasy premier league, but I had a solid second place finish in, in Sam's uh, Sam's personal mini league last year, right? Was it second place or first place last year? You, you got first at the end of the year. You, you oh yeah, were, that's uh, right. The winner of the Pepsi Premier League. Yeah, I was the winner last year. Were, were you fishing for that? It sounds like you yeah, were fishing well, for that. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I I kind of wanted you to correct me so I could hear uh, it from your okay. mouth. Okay. But I'll, I'll but do that in, this year. But in the league that 
a lot of our friends are part of, a lot of my friends are part of uh, Hedjun and Tyler. I ended up coming in, I believe it was like fifth or fourth last year. So that league is fairly competitive in terms of people updating their lineup every single week. Um, hopefully they don't skip to this part of the podcast to, to kind of uh, see what we're doing with our teams necessarily and getting this free preview. Uh, but I ended up having a solid week last week as, as well. We ended, I, I think I scored 78 points uh, thanks to, to, to the great Muhammad Salah and him <laughs> captaining him. Um, Sam had a really good week, uh, mentioned that he was in first. So, Sam, when you're kind of thinking about constructing your team overall, what what's your philosophy in terms of bringing about this team and then kind of moving forward and with the way United and City had their first weeks off, how did that kind of throw a wrench into your plans? Yeah, so I think you have to weigh form and fixture. And since we're kind of in the beginning of the year, you can't really go off form. Uh, preseason doesn't really tell you too much, but I take into account uh, the previous year and also who has the best front of picture. So that's kind of how I assembled my team. And with uh, City and United having their blank game week, uh, I actually had none of their players in and uh, I'm probably looking to trickle in some of their players in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. I think that for me as well is one of the things that I am on kind of looking out for and trying to see what, what players to kind of bring into my team, especially with the high scoring nature of Man City and, and United last year, it's almost essential that you need a couple players from each of those teams into the lineup, which was definitely, definitely screwed with me a little bit as I was setting up my first uh, week team and trying to figure out, do I just kind of sit these expensive players from United and City on my bench, not having to worry about bringing them in transfer wise, or do I, do I kind of do this um, in a long drawn out process throughout the first couple of the week, couple weeks of the season. So I can maximize the amount of points in that first week. And I, I went with the latter decision um, and mode of operation there. Um, and it really kind of worked out for me. Captaining Salah was kind of, it seemed like the difference maker for a lot of these, uh, a lot of the highest scoring teams in the world so if people are interested in the in joining I highly suggest it it's ton of it's a ton of fun it's a different take on traditional I would say fantasy sports like you're given this pot of a hundred million dollars to spend on a team of 15 players um, and you have to start 11 of them and you can only have like a set amount of players in each position. So it's a ton of fun to try to, if you're dipping your toe in the water, getting, getting used to, or trying to get to know uh, Premier League soccer. I know that's how you got into it, Sam. Um, and, and being able to really get into watching soccer. So that's, uh, this is another avenue for that. Right now there's a total of six point three million players in the league so or 
and throughout the world. So hopefully if people are listening to this, it'll encourage them to, to join and play. And it's not too late, especially um, if they join in this second game week. Sam, is there any other, what's like the one tip that you, or what's the one tip that maybe you could give new new players or players like Hedjun who have struggled. <laughs> Sorry, I'm calling out my, wow, my calling, buddy, your, calling out your friends. <laughs> but, I mean, he had, he had basically two points towards in the middle of the weekend. And I was like, is he going to break double digits or single digits at this point? And it wasn't looking great for him at, at, at a point, but can you give tips to someone that is new to the game that may be, to maybe look out for that they wouldn't just find out when just maybe just picking players. Yeah. So I, I guess when you're putting your team together, there's a reason you pick them from the start. So whether your uh, kind of initial thought was correct or not, I think you need to give your players some time to really come around. So a lot of player, a lot of players will take out, uh, I don't know, like a midfielder that doesn't really perform well one week and then watch them two weeks score a brace. So I think you've got to be a little patient, but also be realistic with players that might not be in the right system or kind of are just in a bad form. But those players that you know that are top-notch that aren't performing well, I think you just have to give them a little time to come around. Yeah, and I think that's like the biggest thing this is only game week one. The thing that we, to preach is like, it's a long season. Like that's the joke that I have. It's a marathon. Yeah. It's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a long season. Whenever one of us is chatting in our group chat and say, you know, kind of basically tooting your own horn and being like, don't worry, it's a long season. We'll catch up to you. So I think <laughs> that's kind of like, that's kind of where, the way to look at it in terms of think longer term instead of, oh, my God, that guy just scored two goals, uh, who's a random player that doesn't ever really score any goals. Maybe that's not the guy that you should be bringing into your lineup uh, on the heels of that type of performance, just because maybe it's not repeatable. But where where it's like if someone like Mohamed Salah who's shown a track record of doing things like that, maybe it is uh, someone that you want to bring in. Or Kevin De Bruyne, um, just kind of throwing some names out there that maybe uh, people would want to think about picking up. So I think that's like another, that's one strategy. And, and, and uh, like a strategy for me, like I'm kind of laying it all out there, is I usually try to pick high-end performers and supplement it with value picks um, that really get you into the nitty-gritty of like, oh, it'll be interesting to see how these different players perform that you don't normally watch and play or watch and see play. And that gets you exposed to watching different teams play football. And that'll be really fun to be able to grow people's fandoms and I think that's and it's really helped uh that for people like you I think that have never yeah that's how I got really right never really followed the Premier League prior to to the game so I think that's one of the benefits and positives of 
this game as well. Sam, is there is there uh is there one is, is there one guy that value pick wise that you like obviously we can see each other's teams now. Was there <laughs> one guy that you felt like maybe all right, I'm in on this guy and not a lot of other players have or probably on them on their or or on their radar per se. Uh so I've I've had this player in the past before, but Dominic Calvert Lewin. Uh in that Everton offense, I think he could do numbers. Uh he had a spell of doing really well and then doing very poorly. So I'm I'm hoping for uh the top line performance from, from him, but I'm expecting some volatility. Uh, so I, I just have to be patient. He scored a goal first game week, but, uh, I think he didn't really have too many chances on goals. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what he could do this year. Yeah. And likewise for me, Callum Wilson was one of the guys who had been a prior premier league performer with Bournemouth. He had an up and down season last year. He's now at a new club at Newcastle that I think can show that maybe he, he still has Premier League quality um, that he showed two seasons ago, scoring double-digit goals, I believe. Um, so I think that's like one – yeah, he ended up having 14 – or 12 goals, 14 goals and 12 assists um, in 2018-2019 for Bournemouth, um, who were recently relegated from last year. So I think that's one of the, the value plays that I kind of took a chance on. He ended up putting a goal in this past week, so that's – one uh positive as well so i did make a transfer this week so be on the lookout I for that. <laughs> I, I will not be revealing who it is um until, uh, until i, I, I could i could say uh, i'll say right away uh, i had this okay before the season okay. even started but uh i had mason mountain i think that was this uh it was either him or uh saint maximin so I, I just went for the higher value guy. I thought Chelsea would be more threatening on offense, but it didn't work out. I got two points from him, but uh, I already had that transfer plan to Mason Greenwood. So hopefully see some goals from him uh, this weekend. Ooh, that'll be interesting. Um, it'll be interesting long-term to see if they bring in anyone and that maybe disrupts uh, the possibilities of playing time for Greenwood. Uh to hell with it maybe might as well just kind of like reveal what i what i did this week um i ended up so actually i had deli ali in my lineup and that he's not the guy i transferred out but he actually dropped in value uh to a 7.9 from his 8.0 value which i was like tempted to possibly take a hit and maybe transfer yeah him out. i was but, i was thinking that too but my, I, I decided to be patient there, you know, take my own advice, think long-term, think long-term, um, and maybe be stupidly patient there. But I decided to actually tra- uh, to transfer out Timo Werner, who is probably not I, the guy you want to transfer out uh, for Martial. <laughs> for Martial. So, okay. yeah, I, I think the logic there is to kind of get into uh, United's favorable fixtures um, opening up the season and Werner has Liverpool this upcoming week. So I think that was kind of my 
uh, outlook on that as well. So we'll see how that works out for the both of us. Watch Werner score three goals and then watch um, <laughs> and and watch Mason Mount supply Werner with those three assists to Werner's three goals. So we're we'll basically, <laughs> yeah, so we'll see what ends up happening there. Sam, before I actually let you go, um, we're going to be talking about the other football um, and not um, not necessarily positive news, I would say. But Sam, as a fellow Jets fan, and I say it every time I bring you on the podcast, this is the <laughs> man. This is the man that has brought me into years and years of pain and suffering. I feel like I should get some type of money from him um, on a yearly basis for the pain he's caused me for for basically kind of um, bringing me into this relationship with the New York Jets um, from when we were kids. Basically, when was it? Second or third grade, I believe, when I didn't have a football team to root for and this was the team that I was basically gifted with because of Sam's fandom of them and because of my friendship with Sam and I like the color green that those are my basic reasons <laughs> as to why I, I became a Jets fan and uh first week of the season was la- this past weekend and uh the Jets did not look good against the Buffalo Bills in an empty stadium, 27-17 to 17 loss. Sam, let me get your reaction to overall what you – I don't know if you watched football this week. I'm assuming you did. But what were your overall reactions to the games this week with no fans in the stands? Um, and what your thoughts were on the New York Jets? Well, I, I think I've gotten used to the no fan thing uh, with Premier League going on and other sports leagues, but I'm I'm ready for the season to be over. <laughs> I I think uh, we need to fire Gaze. I've been saying that since last year. Uh, oh, I've been not right I, there with you, buddy. Yeah, I, I don't know why they held on to him, but we need someone else in there. The team's just not inspired by him. You have Le'Veon who got hurt. So uh, not a lot of good things to look forward to on Sundays for uh, the Jets right now. Yeah, it's not it, – it hasn't been positive. Denzel Mims, the second-round pick, who's supposed to be this playmaker for Sam Darnold, he's been struggling with a hamstring thing. Le'Veon, he's been on – he's been put on IR, so he's going to miss at least three games. Le'Veon Bell put, is hurt with a hamstring – or groin. I think it's a hamstring as well. He he's going to be struggling. Like he did not look great in that game against Buffalo and got hurt early in the second half. So it's just a lot. It's a lot to take in, and it's worrisome to watch this Jets team struggle just because of um, the hopes and dreams of a new season. And you know that was slowly taken away after the second or third three and out that the Jets offense had um, while watching the game. And I think there's actually a lot of concerns about Sam Darnold. And I've been a pretty big fan of Sam Darnold um, in terms of giving him time. He is, in, in terms of age, he's probably one of the youngest quarterbacks in the league. Um, starting and this is his third season 
Um, and he's still, I think he's still younger than Joe Burrow and yeah. And he, and he's, this is his third season while Burrow's a rookie, but I think a lot of people are starting to get concerned about whether or not Darnold has it. Um, and what are your thoughts about Darnold? And is it kind of like the chicken or the egg problem with Darnold being in Adam Gaze's offense? Yeah. So like you mentioned, he's so young, he's 23 right now. Uh, I think Gaze is touted as his quarterback guru, uh, kind of the offensive mind, but I haven't really seen it from him. I don't think Darnold is being used to his best ability. I think this is a make or break year for him, but I think, uh, if they decide to move on from him, I think it might be a little, too premature but i i want to have a good outlook on him i think there's a lot of potential there but if he struggles this year i think we could see uh the jets moving on from him and potentially taking a quarterback in the in the first round next year yeah say hello to trevor lawrence or uh (laughs) field which is uh gonna be really interesting to see what happens if you know, and I'm totally expecting this to happen with the Jets where they finish six and 10 or whatever it is and just be like a little too far away to even like choose a quarterback at their original draft slot, um, like in terms of being a little too good, but not being good enough to actually be a good team. So I, it just, I feel like that's the story of the Jets. They'll probably be picking at number six again, like always, where <laughs> they ended up trading Jamal Adams, Leonard Will, you know, like all these guys where they get traded. And um, yeah, it's just a really interesting uh, position that they're in. Obviously, Christopher Johnson, who is the owner, ended up giving the uh, dreaded vote of confidence to both Darnold and Adam Gaze in terms of having full belief in what they can do for this team. Um but the injuries are definitely worrisome. So I, I'm just curious to see what ends up happening with this Jets team. Um, yeah, I don't I don't have positive feelings or vibes at all with this team. I'm not expecting much. Um, it's it's unfortunate because you wish you could surround Darnold with like playmakers and guys to help support uh, help help him grow. And I wonder if they're a little bit have a more long-term look with Darnold and are just like, yeah, he is, is basically getting guys off of the street um, to see him, um, to see him struggle like that isn't a surprise. And if they invest in someone like, let's say LSU's Jamar Chase, who's this all world wide receiver um, who caught a bunch of touchdowns from Joe Burrow last year, I think that'll help solidify whether or not Darnold is the answer for the Jets. Um, And it's kind of unfortunate that he's kind of, it seems like he's not getting a fair shake just because of the type of offense that he's being put and placed in with Adam Gaze. And yeah, I think Adam Gaze is the problem. He should have probably been let go last year, um, even after a season. Um, But he wasn't let go and now there's a bunch of problems 
uh, ensuing for the Jets. I don't know. I don't have anything else to add, Sam. Is it, I'll give you the last word. What can we expect um, from this NFL season um, in general, and what do you expect from the Jets? Well, I, I don't want to be pessimistic, but if they make it through the whole year, I'll be very surprised. Uh, NFL is not really the best run uh, sports league, so I'm expecting... Oh, just uh, in general, the play itself, just whether or not yeah. the pl- they make it through playing itself. Yeah, uh, I think you're going to see coronavirus virus cases pop up. Uh, and I, I don't think football players are, uh, I, I, or like NFL players are the most responsible either. So I think you're going to see uh, some cases pop up and potentially the season being cut short. Uh, I don't want to be pessimistic. I've, I love fantasy football. I love watching football on Sundays, but I'm very realistic. And I, I think that's a, uh, a possibility. So that'll be really fascinating to to monitor and watch out for um, as well, just in terms of the whole coronavirus response. So, Sam, nothing else on my end, but all I have to say is thanks again for coming on to the pod. Um, always good to talk with you, talk sports, talk uh, both footballs. Um, it's just a ton of fun to be able to get this out obviously with a bunch of different uh material or content coming out i had a podcast with my friend andrew ramondi yesterday out on uh the nba playoffs uh we have this one coming out uh there's just so much sports out now it's like it's so exciting to watch with like we're in an unprecedented time but there's baseball and i'm not really watching baseball baseball hockey basketball football soccer you got u.s open golf uh that i was watching today um so there's just all of these things coming together for the sports world so uh this is like the perfect time as it's getting cold sit on your couch turn on the tv sit on the couch for eight hours every single day to watch sports <laughs> so uh i'm content with that so sam thanks again for coming on um and always good to have you thanks for having me Kev.